and this is Soapbox. However, this is part two of season five, episode 10. If you have not heard part one, the beginning of our episode, go back to the previous track. Here we are with Deborah Barrow chatting about Guyana's energy outlook. And like you, like you rightly said, there is the opportunity for um, just, as Guy- just as Trinidadians are coming across, for Guyanese to go across. And um, it's a matter of building regionally as a block too. Mm-hmm. If you look at the bigger picture, right, you're actually building as a regional block. Because when you go across for training in Trinidad and Tobago, let's say you're hired by a company that would have been set up in Guyana, but you go across for your training in Trinidad and Tobago, you now have the same skill set as the person who is in Trinidad and Tobago. You may not have the years of experience, but the point is you would have gotten the same skill set. Over time, you can now choose to work in Guyana or work Mm -hmm. in Trinidad or work in some other place Mm -hmm. because you have now had skill set experience and now you are more marketable because you can choose now where you want to go well Mm -hmm. hey if the pay is not good here i can go across there and i think that ultimately is what each um caricom citizen wants the ability to be able to earn and to earn at you know the highest possible and take advantage of opportunities wherever wherever those opportunities may be. Wherever they, right, wherever they are. And so that's why I said the MOU is a step in the right direction because guess what? There's mutual recognition that you can have in terms Mm -hmm. of Guyana and Trinidad. Like Mm -hmm. you said, there are so many training workshops because what I've recognized from just reading up on the oil and gas industry, certain skill sets are foundational. So like if you're good with plumbing, all you yeah. need to do is go and get the other necessary skills because you have the basics already to be able to provide mm-hmm. some services to the oil. Yeah. So it's a matter of learning what the industry needs mm-hmm. and building so that you can satisfy those needs. And that's why I think it's so important. That's why educating your people mm-hmm. and having public education fora where people can, you know, because not everybody's going to pick up an article and read it, but yeah. have some way where you're able to do blurbs yeah. or yeah. something to get the population wise in terms of what it is that you need in order so that we as a nation could sustain this industry and so that we may be able to benefit from the industry. So I feel that there is so much in terms of collaboration that could be done, not mm-hmm. only with our sister country, Trinidad and Tobago, because of proximity and because they've been in the business for a very long time, but I think regionally as mm-hmm. a block, because there is so much assistance that we could bring in terms of, hey, a simple thing, policy development. development. Mm-hmm. You understand you can draw ideas from countries with a similar background, with similar economic situations. Yeah. You can draw from there. You can operate as a block and seek help from other international mm-hmm. partners yeah. you know so there is so much collaboration that could be done and should be pursued in terms yeah. of developing this particular um industry yeah and again like you said it's not just in trinidad and to, with trinidad and tobago so the energy sector um might be the the connector there in other in other territories we have extractive industries and sometimes policies and acts or developing policies for extractive industries might be important and you can learn lessons there whether it is from jamaica or whether it is from etc so so there's so there's opportunity there across the region 
if we take it a step further, so beyond the region and um, looking at Guyana internationally or, or outside of CARICOM, um, what, uh, what do you think, or in your opinion, what are the impacts or benefits or opportunities to Guyana's international relations? Uh, in the last episode, um, we, were, we were speak, was it that the last episode? That might have been a couple episodes, but you know, on this energy sector um, thing uh, series, we were talking about um, OPEC. We were talking about um, some of the 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 uh, um, international relations and dynamics that happen. We were speaking about OPEC in the context of, um, of course, who are the price makers and who are the price takers, and the fact that Trinidad and Tobago is an observer on OPEC. But I mean, that's just OPEC, for example. So when we look at OPEC, or even more broadly, uh, the international fora. Where do you see Guyana because of this energy, this energy boom? Okay. So first of all, I would like to draw um, just a small parallel. Mm. Imagine you were nobody, and just like that, you, um, for some whatever reason, you got a whole lot of money. Yeah. In the same manner, that not only opens the opportunity for you to dress better and to look better and to buy a nice house in a nice area, but guess what? It opens the door for you to meet and to be hobnobbing yeah. with some very important people. Yeah. Well, it's the same All thing. All eyes on you. All eyes Correct. on you. Yeah. Correct. It's the same thing that is likely to happen with Guyana. And we've already seen it in mm. terms of the persons who would have signaled um, an interest in coming to Guyana, signal an interest in investing in Guyana, signal an interest in opening up headquarters or mm. opening up a subsidiary or even opening up a company in Guyana, the opportunities and the persons who have come along, they are too numerous to mention. Mm. And I think that it gives Guyana the opportunity if the cards are played right. Mm. Because remember, Guyana um, basically was not known. Mm. It's not, and, and be just because of the discovery of the amount of oil, like I said, by Exxon alone, just because of that, I have seen Guyana mentioned in so many international newspapers. I have mm. seen the IDB done projections and work for Guyana that has not been done when mm. we were mere exporters of agricultural products. Yeah. And the traditional products that we were known for exporting. So you have to recognize that you are now a big deal. And <laughs> so there are so many opportunities for international collaborations. We've yeah. already had visits from um, heads of state. We've had um, connection with Ghana. The mm -hmm. president of Ghana visited Guyana mm -hmm. and would have already signaled, um, you know, his intention to provide assistance once Guyana is willing to accept it. We mm -hmm. have had visit from um the sheik of dubai has been here and yeah. so you know there are so many more that will come of course the yeah. pandemic has you know tempered a bit in terms of yeah. people actually coming but i have been a part of um online business investment opportunities and when you go through the list of participants it's mm. amazing persons from europe persons from africa persons all over the world you can mm. mention you have had business investors seeking opportunities in guyana and so guyana has the opportunity to take the lead first mm. of all they can take the lead regionally because now you have the wealth and you have 
whether or not people want to accept it, you have the opportunity now to influence policy, to, in, yeah. to give directions and people would listen. You understand? And yeah. so you can leverage that in the international. Remember, you have something that somebody else wants mm -hmm. and any good negotiator will tell you that's all you need. You need to have what they what they want, and then you could sit at the big table yeah. because you have what they need. And so it's a matter of leverage, and that's how you would really be able to make the impact. As much as people may think that you know Trinidad and Tobago is just an an observer mm -hmm. at OPEC, but if you recognize the power that OPEC yields, mm -hmm. being an observer and sitting at that table, it is nonetheless a big deal. So for me, there is so much, and not only with OPEC, like I'm saying, I'm saying you just think of any international forum. Mm -hmm. Guyana now has the opportunity to Participate. speak yeah. and speak with some amount of weight. Yeah. But like I said, it's all a matter of how you manage what you have and how you present yourself yeah. to though at those international um, forums. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely, I would agree. It definitely does open doors um, because sometimes being in the room, regardless of the regardless of the position that you're in, being in the room is important. I mean, again, if we take it to to um, you know, to the individual level at a at a business place or a company, even though the tea lady might be overlooked, right? Just being in that room, she would have some insight or the air to the ground as to what is happening, you know, or and, and that kind of thing. So regardless of your place at the table, again, we, we as as small states and, and, and the like, we want to be at the table and we want to have the same amount of weight. So I'm not saying that that um we are we are sort of foregoing or overlooking that ability to to um to again influence and the like and be um a, an active participant in the discussions and negotiations. Yeah. But being in the room is also important because then you know what is happening and then you can better plan for, you can better um, adjust your sales as need be. You can you can better um, respond to whatever is happening because you are there, you know, it's not a, it's yeah. not a conversation that you've been left out of. And as well, you know, as Caribbean people, we also know if you're in the room, the conversation is different, right? If you're right. not in the room, they, they could say what they want. You know what I mean? Right. But by you, by your presence. So so the open doors, I think, is important. And it does allow, um, or it would allow Guyana to participate in, in, in spaces that they might not have typically participated in. Um, and um, it is leveraging what you have. And it is also, you know, as we've spoken about throughout this discussion, it's also about knowing what you want and having a plan for that thing. So it's not just... Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah, it is yeah. about having yeah. a plan because you you gotta know what you're willing to what you're willing to accept for this thing, what you're willing to to um to to accept when you give up what you have. Definitely, um, definitely. Yeah. Before you go on, just wanting to add and just to yeah. give a, an example, mm -hmm. um, a lot of people didn't recognize that the bricks were doing so well until you start to really keep hearing the bricks, the bricks, and then you yeah. decide to Google and then you realize, oh, these are these like emerging economies that are doing yeah. so well. That it was, that is what it can do for you, that yeah. you get to such a state that 
they have to recognize you. And mm -hmm. so policies connected to your development therefore become important. Yeah. Take, for example, the whole concept of SIDS and the fact that, um, you know, the different issues that they face as small island developing states. Now, mm -hmm. Guyana is not necessarily, an, well, not necessarily, Guyana is not an island, but yeah. Guyana face the same problems yes, that they do face. Yeah. Correct. So guess what? You can now, you now have an opportunity to really address the issues that have been plaguing small states. Yeah. And for years, the um, SIDS have been talking about the effects of climate change, but nobody took them on. Guess what? Mm. Now it is so prevalent and it's so much in their faces that they recognize that they need to set aside special funding to deal with SIDS. That is the, those are just examples to show the power of when not only you act collectively because mm. you're a small grouping, but yeah. when your voice is able to be amplified yeah. to such a great extent that the so-called developed world has yeah. to stop and take recognition of who you are and what it is that you are lobbying for. So it's not a case of waiting on climate change to become so bad as what has happened now, but mm -hmm. Guyana just by being Guyana and just by the potential of growth mm -hmm. and the amount of money, hey, yeah. Exxon is not only saying that Lisa Phase 1 would be able to produce 120,000 barrels, but Lisa Phase 2, is going to be able to produce 220,000 barrels per day. Mm. And then you have the Payara. Mm. Um, that's another um, project that could also produce 240,000 yeah. barrels per day. Aurelia, these are projected to come and, 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 and ready for mm. production. The first one in 2022 by mid-2022 and the other one, yeah. 2024. So over the next five years, just imagine yeah. that. Lease of phase one, 120,000 mm. barrels per day. Yeah. Lease of phase two, 220,000 barrels per day. Mm. Um, Payara, 240,000 barrels yeah. per day. You, you understand what's yeah. happening there? You have mm -hmm. a loud voice in yeah. the international arena. Like, but like we are, uh, but like we've been saying, you need a plan mm -hmm. and you need to manage those resources well. well. True. And I was saying as well, because, you know, we, we, we will not to go back, but we were talking about collaboration at the regional level. And this is, this is again, why collaboration at the regional level is also important for international relations outside of CARICOM relations. Because I was just wondering, you know, I was saying we have oil producers uh, um, in terms of, um, again, oil production um we've had a couple refineries in the region you know and so i was just thinking in terms of now you have two um two significant energy economies is there an opportunity then for us as small states you know not to say not to combat or to counteract but to to parallel the opec because you have large producers or you have large states that are producers what is the the, the forum that we are creating whether at the regional level or the hemispheric level or like I said, across the, the globe for small energy producers, you know, and is that something that that we should be championing in the in the in the Caribbean region to say, listen, for us small producers, small quote unquote, you know, in the grand scheme of things, but for us or for us um, SVE producers, for us SIDS producers, we should get together and we should be having, you know, we should be having discussions or or whatever, whatever, so that collectively we could also impact on 
on those those large states and what's happening there. And 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 again, that we could come together and share experiences, you know, collaborate, whatever, as the as the case might be. How do we? How do we? You know, you know, and and I mean. Um, we, we we should never really never discount the 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 opportunities or the the importance of having a singular voice um you know a, as a region and you know I wonder whether or not those conversations those kinds of conversations um would be or should be taking place at the regional level because we would be definitely missing... definitely they should be taking place yeah. at the regional level and like I, I keep saying, I'm an advocate all the time for regional integration mm -hmm. because I always say, you better believe it. A lot of people, you know, seem to have the impression that it's not working, but imagine life operating mm -hmm. singly. That's yeah. all I say, right? If it's not working, then imagine how things will be. If you didn't have it, I think have it would have been 10 times worse. And yeah. so for me, I always advocate because I believe that no country um, should stand alone. And if mm -hmm. you have somebody who you could join hands with and join forces with, I say go for it. So definitely it should be a conversation. And yeah. I reiterate again, that MOU on energy cooperation between mm -hmm. Guyana and Trinidad and Tobago, it's an excellent step in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just need to continue to build on um, using such mechanisms. Yeah, definitely an opportunity for, for, for greater collaboration and and yeah, taking that taking that discussion further because you did allude to to um you know to climate change and the climate issue. And it is because small states got together and say, hey, y'all are not listening to us, right? Y'all aren't the ones being negatively impacted, or y'all aren't the ones who who face a longer recovery time after each natural or climate-induced natural disaster. Y'all aren't mm -hmm. the ones feeling the brunt of it. So it had to be that coming together, even at a regional level, where they are um, sort of collaborating and where, where they are um, discussing you know, climate change as a, as a core issue for the regional agenda. And then again, linking across to the Pacific and other regions as well to say, all right, we, we need to, as small states, let's 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 get it let's get it together so that it amplifies our voice and I, I would definitely like to see something like that um for the energy sector and for or even extractive industries across yeah. the region where, where definitely where's, where's and remember people always talk about um you know what can we learn and i always say don't only look at the negative look at the positive and that's what collaboration helps you yeah. to do because like yeah. one of the things I admire in terms of Trinidad and Tobago, those, whether it be NGOs that deal with environment or whether it be civil society on the whole, I find that they are so active in terms of environmental laws and, mm -hmm. you know, investment. And even when government want to do certain road works and infrastructural yeah. development and so on, they yeah. get up and they let their voices be heard. And mm -hmm. I feel that that is something that is so essential. And given the talks about climate change mm -hmm. and Guyana's makeup, the mm -hmm. fact that, hey, we are below sea level. Yeah. right our capital city is below sea level and so any kind of investment so while it is great that we've been talking about all these opportunities and mm -hmm. all the persons that want to come and be in guyana at the same time you need to draw on the good things that have worked in places like trinidad and tobago mm -hmm. and one of those good things in my book 
is how vigilant those NGOs are and how vigilant civil society appears to be when it mm -hmm. comes to environmental matters. And yeah. we would definitely need to yeah. grab a hold of that same passion and to do that because with investment, yes, changes are needed, but at the same time, you can't be destroying the yeah. environment and just to have economic development. And like I said, in the context of the whole discussion on climate change, you've got to have um, a society that is very cognizant of the yeah. need to preserve the environment. Yeah, and, and those, those uh, you know, as you say, those those people who pay attention to whether you want to call them watchdogs or even whistleblowers um, in terms of the NGOs. And and in the last episode, I'm going to, to say, in the last episode, we did end off uh, speaking about the Trinidad and Tobago um, transparency um, initiative. So it's transparency in the energy sector. So again, the data is published, production, um, revenue, et cetera, and, and all the other matters that the public ought to know. So there's the transparency initiative. Again, that kind of watchdog activity because Definitely. Um, you have to safeguard. Yes, you want this economic development or you want this contribution, but you have to safeguard social, um, social um, sector. You have to safeguard labor. Right. Because, again, we, we are talking about uh, multinational corporations uh, and, and sometimes even local companies and state enterprises who are employing persons. You want to safeguard labor. You want to safeguard the environment as well. So having people who are passionate and knowledgeable about those issues, one, those issues in the energy sector, two, and 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 with the passion and interest. to, to It is a job. It is a vocation in terms of being a, a, one of these NGOs or, or civil society organizations to safeguard, you know, to safeguard the country, you know, and, and, and the sector. Um, it, that is also advocacy is a job in the energy sector as well, yeah. I would say. Um, yeah. So if you are interested in, in legislation and policy and labor and society and the environment, there's a role for you too, you know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, as we speak to the environment, and I know we're coming to the end of it, um, um, I wanted to ask in the context of again the environment climate change um you know and this push towards renewables um is there any insight as to where guyana is or where the public is even more so because what we've seen in trinidad and tobago um anecdotally it is that with the energy sector of course we have lower electricity costs lower electricity generation costs and the like so you find that um uh, energy conservation might be something strange to most Trinbegonians, unfortunately. You also find that, again, before, with subsidized energy costs, you would find that, again, uh, fuel conservation or, or, or the like is something strange for most Trinbegonians, right? As well as, um, you know, again, we were discussing before in terms of the Trinidad and Tobago situation in our previous episodes, we were talking about the fact that the sector, the oil and gas sector, because of those um, conveniences for the public and because those conservation behaviors might not have been instilled in us because you have it, and I mean, human human thing and trinities, you have it for free or next to free or close to free, you know, you use it, you know, as you will. We, we spoke to the fact that the energy sector might have hindered our development of the renewable sector. So, when we look at, say, Barbados, so so you and I would have lived in Barbados, 
we know the water rates, you know, we know the electricity rates. Yes. And so I never turn off lights like I, like I turn off lights in Barbados before, you know. No, and you, you know the high cost of energy, you know, like people check the pumps in Trinidad prior to, like with the fuel subsidy, people didn't check the price of gas, you know. You're driving a gas station, you say, all right, give me 20 super and you go on. People didn't check to say, oh gosh, NP have this price today or Unipet have this price, but in Barbados, People are looking at, oh, well, yeah. salt price is this, and oh, the, the price of gas changed yesterday, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Those weren't discussions. Those aren't necessarily discussions that Trinbegonians have. And so we, we were talking about the fact that, like I said, the, 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 energy, um, the energy resources um, might have, the fossil fuels might have delayed our response to renewable energy and sustainability in that way. Do you, do you see... Prior to the to the oil production, had renewable energy been on the charts, especially because you all have how many? 365? Uh, is it 365 um islands on the on exactly? So so we know that water resources are a plenty. You all have um Kaicha Falls, etc. So 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 um hydro um power. So had renewable energy been on the table before? Do you think that the sector has hampered that? Um, and, and you know, what, what is your outlook on the renewable sector, especially from a citizen, a, a, a man on the ground perspective? Okay. So there were attempts in terms of hydroelectricity in Guyana, mm -hmm. but that had, that fell through because of other reasons that we're not going to discuss. No, yes. Um, but I think Guyanese are somewhat conscious about mm -hmm. renewable energy. Because while um, our construction um, industry has always, from um, my, my opinion, it has always been doing fairly well. Mm -hmm. And I find that even because we have a lot of land and a lot of housing development that has been taking place, um, I could say over the last 10 years, mm -hmm. in a consistent manner. But, and the average Guyanese, when they are building their homes, somehow somebody wants some kind of solar panel or yeah. some kind of some kind of thing that is reflective of course the cost is not um reachable for the small man mm -hmm. but people i have if you drive in certain areas on average you'll see on some rooftop yeah. you'll see some kind of solar panel setup and solar panel situation and yeah. so on so people are conscious of it but in terms of a deliberate effort yeah. towards no i in my opinion there is not a deliberate effort in terms of going in that direction and i do believe that now with um, the advent of the production of oil and gas mm -hmm. i think there is an opportunity to bring that balance because, yeah. you know, you don't want to remember um, Dr. Carlotta Perez or, uh, and the famous statement, development is a moving target. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you always find that when you think you have something, something else comes up. So I think yeah. since the world is already going to clean and renewable yeah. energy, it's an opportunity to take some of that same money that is projected to come to bring balance so that Guyana is not lopsided. Mm -hmm. So the opportunity is here and it's now. And like you already pointed out, we have a lot of resources. We have Guyana is known as the land of many waters. Yeah. So you have the opportunity there to start with hydroelectricity. And I believe it is back on the table 
now, but I can't say in terms of whether, you know, the extent of the progress, but we have had conversations in the past yeah. about it, but it has not really um, come into fruition. Yeah. Yeah. I think definitely again, and we were talking about reinvesting in yourself as in reinvesting in the country in the context of social development and education. And this is sort of so social and environmental um, environmental development and reinvesting some of those resources in, in developing, um, like you said, a, a balance um, and uh, developing the renewable sector as well, using the resources that you have available. Um, and especially because ecotourism is 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 and will be I, I i put it out in the universe will be a mainstay of the economy and because you have so many natural resources you, that you want to preserve that environmental sustainability would be would be key and so reinvesting in that is a way of investing in the in the country and the socio um the socio environmental development because we also, I, I don't know if we pointed it out, at this time, oil production is extraction and not necessarily refining on, on shore. So still, um, the, the cost of energy might still be, um, you know, around the same thing or not as as subsidized and, and, and diverted as well in some cases in Trinidad and Tobago. So um, so I, 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 would, I would definitely hope that renewable energy remains at the forefront and that you're not, you know, um, waylaid by, by the flashiness of, 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 yeah. of, of these resources and that environmental sustainability is still at the core because you want to preserve, you want to preserve what you have, um, what you have there. So finally, uh, I would leave it to you for any closing thoughts, um, any other thoughts on how the energy sector could impact positively or negatively, and so far our conversation has been very positive in terms of the opportunities for Guyana. So how the energy sector could impact um, other sectors, um, any other closing thoughts on, on Guyana's energy outlook slash outlook because of energy? Okay, so I would just want to add that mm -hmm. I think the negatives about oil, mm -hmm. I think it's commonly known Mm -hmm. And to me, when you know that these look, these are the pitfalls, I think you have the opportunity to guard against okay. it. We have the example of Trinidad and Tobago right next door to us that we can learn from. We don't even need to go very far. Mm -hmm. Right. And so to me, that's what you have to guard against. So mm -hmm. in terms of regulations, in terms of your local content policy, mm -hmm. in terms of having a robust tax system and tax laws mm -hmm. and all of that mm -hmm. in place, it's so imperative that you look to see what would be suitable for Guyana. In terms of the fact that you need people with integrity in that industry, because what you find is the pattern today, they're working for the um, oil company, and next day they're working for the government or vice versa. There's yeah. some policy advisor doing something mm. in relation to the government. And then by next year, they're on the opposite side of the yeah. fence. So you have to find, remember every state, every country is unique. Yeah. And so look at the pitfalls in the countries that you see with the similar um, historical background or similar um, regulation issues, whatever mm. it is and guard against those, those gaps, but yeah. I wouldn't want to harp necessarily on the negatives because like yeah. I said, a simple Google search will tell you what happens. Yeah. Certain persons in society run away. So the gap 
between yeah. the rich and, be, and the poor become so Light large that it mm-hmm. seems impossible that mm-hmm. it could be bridged. And those are the things that Guyana has to try to guard against. Yeah. And that could only be done when there's a deliberate effort to make mm-hmm. sure that there is translation of that wealth yeah. to the ordinary man and woman. Whether you come up with an excellent social security system, you yeah. come up with a great sovereign wealth fund, mm-hmm. whatever that needs to be done, you take all efforts and you put all strength yeah. to ensure that the people of Guyana are able to benefit, benefit because yeah. that is their resources. And I know on the sovereign wealth fund because you want to be able to benefit not just today, not just Correct. in 2021, not just in 2025, but you want to be able to benefit for generations to come. You know, uh, and I know that you know in the interior you 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 have a um, indigenous population or, or um thing, and I know a, a principle that um uh from another group of indigenous people in Canada, they were saying they have a seven generation principle. What are we doing today? And how is that going to impact seven generations beyond? If it will negatively impact seven generations beyond where we are today, then it's probably not something that we ought to be doing. You know, definitely. And I feel like um, across the board, not just in the extractive sector, not just in the energy sector, not just in 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 Guyana, but across the board, across the region, we have to be our leaders have to be looking at long term. Seven, seven generations ahead because some of them not even looking one generation ahead you know so seven generations ahead how will what we are putting in place affect seven generations you know and again recognizing that you might not see the seventh generation it's unlikely but yeah. yet still for that unborn unseen unknown guyana you want to make sure that you put them on a path to 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 continue to benefit and so that was just my point on the sovereign sovereign wealth fund because it is the trickle down now and it is the saving for the future that that is important to ensure that that guyana can continue to have all eyes on on guyana definitely an excellent model that people can follow you know when you're doing as a student you normally look for the models that you know this is work this is working Mm -hmm. and you adopt a model that has a lot of positives and can bring a lot of benefits to your people so that's what we need to to do and that's what i can only hope that happens Mm -hmm. and so that guyanese would really be able to benefit and like i said guyana is known all the time has so much potential so much potential gold diamond bauxite lumber timber (laughs) you name it guyana has it fisheries yeah. capability everything, everything and so on but guyana is yet to realize its potential and i think by now as a guyanese i am tired of hearing oh your country has so much potential you yeah. know that's like the student that you keep saying all the time you write in the report card so yeah. much potential needs to but work they're distracted. harder yeah <laughs> no but they're distracted or you know yeah. talk too much or whatever you know it's it is it is and i and i keep saying and that's what i was saying about the tourism sector too because when i visited guyana i was like how come and uh, you know i i visited for different reasons because i want to visit all of the all of the the, the territories in our region um, and so again, Guyana was on the list and, you know, I was there and I'm like, so how come I've never seen an ad for tourism, Guyana? I'm like, why are they, you know, hiding under, you know, when they, you, um, not to get um, um thing, but, you know, when you hide your light under a bushel, I'm like, yeah. why, are we, 
Why, and like, there's so much potential. Why aren't why don't we have the visit Guyana commercials? Why don't we see the see the brochures or see the pictures? You know, yeah. Um, Actually, have a visit Guyana page, so you indirectly just gave them a plug. <laughs> well, come on, come on, guys. Let's <laughs> especially, but especially with with technology and social media, that's something yeah. you're, you're yeah. pushing. And I was, but um, again, I'd also say that my um my visit would have been before. That would have been about twenty. 15 or 16 somewhere around there so mm-hmm. hopefully it is that they are scaling up and ramping up and people are recognizing yeah there's a lot to a lot to boast about you know definitely definitely so, yes. and we've seen lot- it even in the pandemic yeah. we've had um you know then according to the news reports persons have already invested billions in terms of building hotels mm-hmm. in Guyana so we've already begun yeah. to see the positive yeah. impact and the positive effects, like I like we have been saying all night, not yeah. only in the oil and gas industry, but they are right. affecting other sectors. So mm-hmm. you see the spill off into tourism, into the hotel business. You see it. Yeah. So it's already begun. Yeah. And so it's now for the Guyanese population to begin to recognize that when these things are happening, hey, you have an opportunity now to write. But Guyanese have also always been um innovative and resilient and so i also expect that they would continue to do that and and to take advantage of opportunities even at home so i I expect that i expect that it will come um and i think it could be aided or quickened by you know you were talking about some of those um perhaps public education or information sessions so it it, it is also bringing that closer to them uh, uh, and and you know sooner so that these things could really definitely, take definitely, definitely. Like this program, this is a, a perfect example. Somebody mm-hmm. may listen and realize that hey, you know, something, yeah, yeah. Let yeah, me see, definitely. let me see what I could think about and how I could get in on this, on this not just energy sector boom, but this economic boom, this, <laughs> this, this um thing, you know. <laughs> Um, there's this Sell there's, memorabilia. You never know. No, but all, no, but all of that. <laughs> when we talk about you know, increase in visitors, whether they are coming for meetings and events or whether they are coming for tourism or whether it is expats bringing their families, whether it is um, whether it is a, a meeting visitor bringing their spouse, whatever it is, they are going to engage in the recreational activities, but they're also going to want souvenirs. So if crafts and that kind of thing are your are your passion and your skills, then you might also see an increase in the creative sector. In the in the craft, in the entertainment industry, in the in the hospitality, so so it it is a snowball effect. And so again, if you're listening, what is the new line of you know um, souvenirs? What about Guyana? Could we package as you know? So it is it is again seeing those seeing those opportunities, seeing those opportunities. Yeah. It becomes a destination, and then you have to to to, to build out that. So yeah, I think the 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 the, the they are endless. And less possibilities, really, and less possibilities. So true. Yeah. So, any final, final words, final thoughts, um, uh, Deborah? I know we've been chatting for some time. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I said it. I just want to yeah. say thank you so, so much for the opportunity. And I think this was so. Um, uh, it was educational, even for me, because you know sometimes you know stuff and. Sometimes when it comes out of your mouth and you realize how pertinent or how yes. important what you're saying, maybe <laughs> uh, not all the time when it's stuck in your brain, you know. Yes. So I think this is a great opportunity. So thank you so much for having me here on um, 
soapbox. Mm-hmm. No problem uh, at all. I'm, I'm happy that you joined us. Deborah could tell you I've been asking her to do this because I wanted to take a broader view of, of the energy sector in terms of the society and socioeconomic development, again, outside of just the direct um, um, uh, energy engagement. And so the the only person that came to mind was Deborah. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm very happy that you that you joined us. And like you were saying, the discussions are important because again, you get those thoughts out and you get to share ideas. So hopefully that is something that is happening as well amongst civil society organizations within Guyana so that Guyanese as well could discuss and, 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 and grapple with some of these opportunities and even again, avoiding some of the potential challenges. So um, that is my task to you, Deborah, to ensure that these conversations continue um, within Guyana amongst the people who stand to benefit most from the, the, the energy sector and the economic boom. Thank you once again. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to take the opportunity to thank Deborah Barrow once again for joining us uh, to discuss Guyana's energy future, again, in the context of what it means for Guyanese nationals, the opportunities there. Again, the sort of trickle-down effect and what what uh, she or what both of us would like to see for Guyana as a result of these energy prospects again, what it means for regionalism and bilateral cooperation, um, and what it means for the future of energy. Uh, I, I think the discussion is worthwhile. I hope that these discussions are happening on the ground in Guyana. But again, this is an opportunity for us to um, to step outside of ourselves. Every season I do a development perspectives episode, uh, and that is a, 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 an attempt to... Um, again, get us uh, out of our own sort of myopic thinking, our own sort of narrow focus, and pay attention to what is happening outside of Trinidad and Tobago, um, and how that might relate to us, but what is happening outside of Trinidad and Tobago, and as well to get an outsider's perspective on some of our challenges, some of our development challenges and opportunities. So again, I am thankful for that discussion. I think it it went well. I think we learned a lot about Guyana as well as about uh, what's in store for Guyana in the coming years. Uh, I, I think I, I think we will see and hear a lot more about uh, Guyana. Uh, what is left for me to do here is to close out the season. I really enjoyed uh, uh, developing and producing this season because, again, it it was an attempt to teach um, and to help others to understand, uh, an attempt at, again, breaking it down because we often make assumptions as to um, what people know from what they don't know. Um, and again, it's not an attempt and it, it ought not to be an attempt to to shame anybody because, let's face it, Half of us have not studied petroleum engineering or petroleum law or, or these kinds of things. And so if it is a sector that means so much to our economy and means so much to our society in terms of its contribution to our, other, um, our, our way of life and our living and our standard of living, because again, we know that the 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 benefits we've der- derived from the energy sector and energy sector revenues have been put into our infrastructure our healthcare our education and the like then we ought to be able to understand and appreciate some of the nuanced conversations happening there and we ought to be able to 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 comfortably discuss the prospects for the future and what it would mean um again uh, thank you for joining us throughout the season 
in closing, in relation to the pandemic, especially as I, as I told you to, to go back to episode four on Vax Facts, I want to remind you that you are not stuck at home, you are safe at home. And even though there is some opening up, it doesn't mean that we go back to normal as yet. There is still a global pandemic raging, raging, not ongoing, raging. Remember that the vaccines would not be approved if the benefits did not outweigh the risks. Again, some of the takeaways from episode four. Uh, also, as Nita pointed out, doctors know how to treat with adverse effects if they do arise. And of course, you consult your medical um, practitioner uh, again before and even after, if necessary, taking the vaccine. Most importantly, Nita left us with a, with, a, with a salient point in that the vaccines would not get us out of the pandemic. Vaccinated people will. As we have seen across the world as well, the majority of ICU cases and deaths resulting from the pandemic at this time is from unvaccinated or only partially vaccinated individuals. So again, Having the vaccines is one thing. Having that recent 800,000 um, doses shipment into Trinidad and Tobago is one thing. All well and good. Getting more is great. But to say we have 800,000 doses of vaccine and not put it to use and not vaccinate people and not have people being vaccinated will do us no good. So vaccines alone will not get us out of this pandemic. Vaccinated people will. Um, and again, there is light at the end of the tunnel, but we are not out of the tunnel as yet. So you take your same safety precautions of washing your hands, wearing your mask, and watching your distance. I would, I really, I really want to see all of you again when we come back for season six. So do take care of yourself. In relation to the podcast, um, stay tuned to our social media. We have um, a number of things to unveil, a number of things that we have been working on behind the scenes. Some exciting things, I would say. I think they are exciting. Um, and we will continue to discuss some of the current events, some of the news that uh, that would be unfolding while we are on break. We will continue to discuss same on our social media. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Soapbox, C-B-E-A-N, which is Soapbox Caribbean. And you can find us on all streaming platforms to listen to episodes from season one to five. You can find us on all streaming platforms by searching Soapbox Caribbean. Uh, again, you can stay tuned to our social media uh, to find out the launch date of season six. Imagine that. Every season I reflect on the fact that I've been able to complete a season, um, especially when, um, again, even getting the first season and the first episode um, took so long. And, um, you know, there was a lot of hesitation on my part. Uh, and, and again, even in getting ourselves right. And we're still not where we want to be, but we still keep trying. And, and this project has been and has meant a lot to me in terms of not just opening some opportunities and opening doors, um, but also in terms of A, conquering some of those fears and hesitation and that hesitation, um, but also in terms of, you know, I say it at the end of every season, nothing beats a try. The only way to get better is to try. Um, the only way to know what you're capable of is to try. And I think as well, um, it has been triumphant 
working on this podcast during the pandemic because again something to look forward to something to keep you motivated so it might not be podcasting for you it might be something else but remember to keep your eye on the prize every day is not going to be a productive day um some days are going to throw you some curveballs um but again to to keep the end in sight work towards small targets again getting to the finale of this season was a small target but it did help me to get out of bed it did help me to work on something that i'm passionate about it did help me to um to view the pandemic and and to get through some of those pandemic days if you could call it that so again whatever it is whatever you are passionate about whatever you like doing um be, make sure to um to keep at it um make sure to stay motivated the external stimuli mightn't always be there but you have to now self motivate especially in this pandemic and again the world will look different right it will pose some challenges as we have seen the pandemic has already begun to pose some challenges in terms of whether vax uh, mandatory vaccinations or what will be the norm but uh, again whatever it is stay vigilant stay watchful <laughs> um and remember always 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 to get on your soapbox oh.